0: This is the mibtonline.com podcast featuring recordings from our weekly and monthly live streaming meetings. To see the videos discussed in the podcast and be part of the discussion, please consider joining our association at mibtonline.com. Now, here's the show. Tim Keeper from mibtonline.com, welcome to our Wednesday meeting. Like I said, we're going to try to do these meetings every Wednesday talking about something, whether it's uh, uh, football, basketball, baseball, or things that are going on in the officiating world, that's what we're here to do every Wednesday. So you're going to know you can watch us live on Wednesdays. You can always participate in what we're doing. If uh, you can't watch it live, guess what? It's going to be available on demand as usual. So how cool is that? That's what we do here at MIBtonline.com. I want to welcome everybody in tonight, as it says, on the road with Sam. We'll get to that here in a minute but uh let's uh run through what we got tonight so the meeting for the 26th so we'll have some announcements we'll have the penalty report we'll talk about that many for those of you've been around for a while you know what the penalty report the penalty report is or was we're going to try to incorporate that now in the meeting and talk about things that are going on in the officiating world i think it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be pertinent to you stuff that you can uh, bring to your crews bring to your uh, other officials people you work with because just things that that I think are going to make us all better as officials, whatever sport you officiate. So we got that tonight. Um, let's see, we've got uh, the Sam Holbrook baseball video that's coming. So we'll be talking with Sam. We uh, we had a conversation with Sam yesterday. He's out there umpiring right now in Miami. So, but we'll we'll get to that here in a little bit, and then we'll we may have some open questions at the end and see how everybody is doing. So here are our announcements real quick. So here, the meeting schedule. So we're We're talking weekly meetings here, and hopefully we are streaming. And let's make sure we are, yep, I think we're streaming, awesome. So uh, weekly meetings. We're gonna be doing these weekly meetings here at mibtonline.com, so you can, once again, look for them. There's gonna be varied topics, but there will also be stuff that will be uh, um, scheduled in regards to, you know, we'll talk football maybe one week, we'll talk basketball. Maybe we'll talk uh, just other things that are going on in the officiating world. In fact, I think we're gonna have an author on here in a couple weeks. We're gonna try to get him up, who wrote a book about football officials. So we're gonna just try to make it interesting for you, but we'll have these weekly meetings as long as we possibly can. So as long as everybody's enjoying them. Uh, clinics, we have our uh, IHSA Officials Conference. So for you Illinois officials, as a member of MIBTOnline.com, you can be a participant of the IHA Officials Conference All the materials for that conference will begin July 12th, so that's when you're going to have that material available. You've probably seen a lot of additional sports on the website if you've uh, browsed the website, so uh, that's what those are all about from this IHSA conference. All that IHSA material will be available from July 12th to July 31st, but it doesn't matter as a member, you can continue to get most of that content right here for as long as you want, as long as you're a member. So how cool is that? I mean, that's a great, uh, great, you know, great benefit that we are offering. Our football clinic is uh, right now scheduled for August 11th at 5.30 p.m. It's a four-hour clinic. Once again, for Illinois officials, hopefully we're gonna make that a certified clinic so you can get credit in Illinois. But even if you're not an Illinois official, this is a great thing to take advantage of because it's we're, you know, we have all our experts come in, we bring in people uh, from around the country to talk football and you get different perspectives of how people officiate from, you know, coast to coast, which that's great. So now the penalty report, but before I do that, I'm going to check the chat. I'm going to check, see what we got going on. So we got, uh, we got the text line running. We've got that up here. I'm going to throw that text line up so you can take a look. It's there. I can read it. It's over here. So I can take a look at it and see if anybody's got a text question. I can also view the chat. See if anybody is, uh, is chatting with us, you know, you can let us know as well. So we've got the penalty report here. But before we do that, I would like to bring in uh, one of our guys. He's with us almost every week. So, I mean, we, we really appreciate it. we got Bill Lamagne. Bill, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, not a bad day in the neighborhood, you know. Got a couple of bike rides in today. Got some good results back on my CAT scan uh, about the lungs recovering from COVID in January. So it's a good day in the neighborhood. Well, I guess it's better than a bad day in the neighborhood. So.
0: <laughs> anyway, well, good. I'm glad to have you here, Bill. I'm glad that uh, the, the medical stuff is uh, is getting a little bit better for you and we, we can uh, we can move on. So here, you know, we're, we've got the penalty report and this is something that we did for a, a while, kind of on its own. It didn't really gain traction, but there's a lot of great stuff in this that I think is important. So this week on the penalty report, well, what is that? Well believe it or not, this just broke today. So the NFL, uh, this is actually from uh, footballzebers.com and if you enjoy the NFL or you like NFL football stuff, this guy breaks everything. He'll tell you Cruz, he'll tell you guys who retire. You know, it's crazy how much information this guy gets uh, at football, uh, Z- footballzebras.com. But they broke it today that the NFL is now going to incorporate a tackle box in regards to blocking below the waist, which I found interesting because you would think, why are they going to go? Why are they going that way? I, you know, a lot of times with being an offensive game, you want the blocks, you want this, but I'm going to pull up that tackle box so everybody can see it's similar to the high school tackle box, but it has some of the same rules as the college. It's like they took their, it's like they took the college rule and the high school rule and they mashed it together to have their own. So Bill, I mean, we're not, we don't really talk a lot of NFL here and not that people really care about the NFL, but it's interesting that they are now making the blocking bill the waste just as confusing as it is in the other codes because the NCAA for years keep changing it. High school's been pretty consistent, but they're actually coming out with an interpretation this year that might change you know, how the blocking bill of waste is also uh, ruled in the free blocking zone. So it's kind of interesting how the NFL has decided to get on board with this. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it is interesting. And, and you know, hopefully they don't go through all the pains that the NCAA did uh, with the confusion, uh, whether it was adjacent sideline, non adjacent sideline, uh, just, uh, the simpler you can make this, I mean, if we're really concerned about low blocks and, and there's reason to be, then, you know, I think the high school format of if you're going to do it, you're going to be in this box. You're going to do it right off of the snap. Uh, otherwise don't block low. Uh, not only is it got its safety element, but it's a rule you can officiate. You know, so the the high school rule it, it makes it, it makes it easier to officiate. The college rule can still have some quirks to it, and I'm sure this NFL one is gonna. We'll see the quirks come out as the season starts.
0: Yeah, we'll have we'll have more on this to come. Like I said, we, this just broke today, so I thought it'd be interesting to get get Bill's take real quick on it because it, it, you'll you'll hear a lot about it in the media now, and so it's nice to kind of get get heads up on it. And like I said, thanks to the football. Footballzebras.com, they're the ones who, who broke this story. So now back to our more penalty report. So this, this is what we're gonna, Bill and I are going to talk about tonight, which I think is going to affect uh, all officials. So the WNBA started their season a few weeks ago. And in the game versus Minnesota and Phoenix, Phoenix was, was being hosted by Minnesota, there were 6.8 seconds left in the game and we're getting ready to go, and, and Minnesota's down one. They get the ball. They take the ball on down the court, and their star player hits what she believes is the game winning shot. Well, then they look up and 6.8, it was 6.8 when that shot went in. Now, you know, I, I'm a public school guy and I went I, you know I, I did okay in math, but something tells me that the, the math doesn't add up there. It's I, I mean, I've seen a lot of fast players in my time, but that's really fast if they can get down there and hit the shot with no time off the clock. So where does this come into play? Why does this matter to, to us? Well, apparently what had happened was that the official, you know, at that, that level they have technology that allows them to, their whistles, if they blow the whistle, it stops the clock. And they, that way it can be more accurate as to when exactly the clock stopped. So somehow this official took a deep breath or blew out or something like that, which stopped the clock inadvertently, which is great. Technology is great. It's a great thing in officiating and it's helping us in many ways, but this is now when technology failed us as officials. And one of the things that I want to talk to Bill about is how we have to continue the basics of officiating even when technology is there to assist us, whether it's a system like this or replay or whatever it might be. So Bill, we've got these new systems in place in many sports. You know, your baseball has replay now, obviously, the uh, NBA, WNBA, because they did get together and they used replay to figure out there was 1.1 seconds left on the clock. So we do have all these tools available. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked football many times. You deal with replay when you are doing your broadcast uh, with ESPN. So technology has absolutely helped. I mean, I'm even hearing uh, like rumors that they're gonna have lasers for like long, uh, line of gain and stuff like that in, in, in football eventually. What is your thought on the basics of officiating and making sure we're maintaining that even when we have technology to assist us?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't take for granted that all the technology is gonna work perfectly all the time. Um, so, you know, I, I can, remember being on the field and, and if we were down into that last minute or less um, I was doing a mental count, you know, and again, I know my mental count wouldn't be official, you know, it wouldn't be as good as, as a clock would run, but we just wanted to make sure that a clock did start a clock did stop. Um, so that we could see if we were, you know, in the ballpark on things. Um, I'll go back to the first year we had replay in the big 10 and you know, it was, a Oh, everybody was, it and, and I love replay to death. Oh, it's going to be a lifesaver for us. You know, we're not going to have the big, big snafus that are going to impact the game. Well, we never planned and there was no planning that was done for the event that technology failed. Um, uh, so we're working, matter of fact, we were going through the season and we were down to the last weekend. We we're doing the Ohio state Michigan game. And, um, and we had a scenario was never planned for that replay would crash. And here we had a critical play, uh, catch, no catch on a 25, 30 yard gain. And uh, officials on the field ruled it a catch. We were anticipating uh, a replay stoppage uh, because of the criticalness of the call, how close it was, everything else. And we never got, got it stopped. And uh, the Michigan uh, coach Carr took a timeout because he couldn't believe the play wasn't stopped. And Ohio State had this big game. And, um, and I told him, I said, not knowing that the replay crashed, I told coach Carr, coach, it, replay must have looked at it and confirmed it because they just shut this down in a heartbeat if it was an inc- anything close to an incomplete pass. And he, of course, was insistent it was incomplete. It skipped in. So anyway, you know, we, we get ready to go again after the timeout. And I just kind of looked at Carr, and he's still like, I can't believe they didn't shut it down. And I said, well, they just had another two-minute, minute-and-a-half to do it. I said, so that's telling me it was a catch, Coach. Well, we found out after the game that replay crashed in the booth. And um, they had never planned for any communication to us to tell us that replay was down. Um, and so it was kind of like a, oops. So of course my first question to replay was, did you get a chance to look at it later? And they said, yeah, we did. At halftime, they got everything fixed and we were able to go back and look at it. And it was a catch awful close, but it was a catch. And it was kind of like, Whoa, my glad that it worked out that way. Cause I would have hated that seen car, you know, the next season and <laughs> had to eat that one. you know. So, so, but we never planned for that. So, what happened then? We started planning for it. That the replay booth would alert the officials on the field through another communication device, uh, the sideline person that was assisting us. Uh, we would make an announcement that replay was down. We'd tell the coaches, et cetera, et cetera. So, we never planned for it. Now, you know, here's the thing about replay that's a, that's a technical technology error, you know, that what happened. You can still have human error in in replay. So as much as I love replay to death, we have to remember it's still our job to officiate the game and to do all the things we have to do to get it right because it can crash or replay can make a mistake, uh, which has happened. So um, as on-field officials, I always said in the pregame, it was our job to put replay out of business today.
0: Well, right. And... You know we we've talked replay here a lot and that's and and obviously replay is replay but now they're even adding more and more technology you're seeing on a baseball game the the square box and there's some talk about having robot umpires call balls and strikes based off of that and then you like you said you got this technology with the clock and i mean i was saying this earlier but i've really truly heard about like the line to game sticks being lasers where, you know, yep. this, so it's taken, they're gonna take out, you know, technology is great, but it just seems like more and more the the human official is being replaced by technology. And obviously, I mean, that's how it is. You, know, you can make that argument about many things in this world right now, how when it, when technology advances, things just jobs get eliminated things. I don't know if the officiating job avocation, whatever will be eliminated, for a while but it just seems like they're trying to take more and more out of more and more of this out of our hands and go to automation or technology you know from being a longtime official and and I know you've been off the field for a little while but I mean how do you think that this is going to go over do you think eventually the officiating avocation will just not happen anymore that it will be all robots
1: it sounds great to the fans who think they got hosed or maybe did get hosed on a on a call that hurt their team but it, there was just an article that I just read and and it was it was by one of the major uh, reporters uh, at ESPN and said w- we're going to turn sports into such a vanilla thing and they were referring right now they were referring to the game of tennis with everything that's being done that that it, it's going to be so sterile it, it, it's like who who's going to watch I mean and I'm not advocating controversy or, or blown calls or anything else, but but the bottom line to it is is that we're not playing a computer game. Uh, it's a human element. Uh, players make mistakes. Coaches make mistakes. Uh, we're going to have a mistake here and there in the situation. Um, but they to me, it's gone. As much as I love replay, it's gone too far, uh, especially at the college level where. Uh, There's more more stoppages every year uh, and they're adding more things and it's getting more complicated all the time. Um, Let the players play the game. The coaches coach the game and the officials officiate the game. And if it isn't something massive critical, maybe in a key part of the game, leave it alone. You know, I think the NFL thing about it requires a coach's challenge versus the college game where anything reviewable can be stopped. I think NCAA needs to go to the NFL rule, and I'm not an advocate of NFL rules, but they need to go to the NFL rule that says if it isn't worth it to this coach to possibly burn a timeout, it's not worth stopping. So, you know, and you don't see you don't see the NFL coaches wasting timeouts.
0: No, and that's true. And somebody once said, I don't maybe it was you. I've heard of this before, but that the game is coached by humans, it's played by humans. It should be officiated by humans because that's just part of the game. Now, the gamblers and the diehard fans and the people who are, they don't feel that way. They feel like all calls need to be perfect all the time. And, you know, it, okay, fine. You know, it, it, I understand that point, but I'm with you. It, this, it, it's going to be vanilla if, if that happens and whatever. But maybe that's what people want.
1: What- joe west whether you like his umpiring or not how could you not want a joe west around in a baseball game you know i mean it just he just celebrated the most uh games umpired and they say it's a record that'll never be broken because of the way that things are, are yeah with 1941
0: the record was was uh some up um, some hall of fame umpire 1941 that's how long that record has stood so yeah it's very unlikely that. And Joe West has still got some time. He's probably going to at least finish out the season, so you we're know, going to add some more to that record. Alphas,
1: you know, you need personalities. You know, you need quality, but you need personalities.
0: Well, you know, then the argument comes that we're just supposed to kind of be in the background, and no one's supposed to know who we are. But everybody remembers Red Cashin. Everybody does, yeah. and and even Mark Bright, you know, and the NFL stuff, and and you know they they rem- they rem- they remembered that because. Those are, there are some characters or, or whatever you want to say out there in that regard. So
1: I, I had breakfast one morning at a clinic with, uh, with uh, Cashin, and uh, he told me the story about how when there was a change in supervisors, and I'll leave the supervisor nameless, but he, um, he told him he didn't want him anymore doing first down. You know, that it's just going to be a point and first down. No more draw, no more, you know, Texas uh, influence on it. We don't want it anymore. It's just first down, right? So he was kind of down in the dumps about it. And he was flying to his first game, and the assistant commissioner happened to be on a flight with him. And the assistant commissioner was telling him how, oh, the commissioner and everybody in the office just loves it when you get on TV and you go first down. And he said, so he said, here, I got the office telling me, you know, they love it. But I got my boss telling me I can't do it anymore. So he said, I'm in kind of a dilemma here, you know. And he said, so he got out there on his on his first first down situation with a microphone. And he did it longer and louder than he said he ever did it in his career. And he said he never nice. heard another word from, from his <laughs> boss about it. But the office loved it.
0: Well, that's what it's, it's part of this is entertainment as well. So,
1: yeah.
0: So, well, Bill, thank you for spending some time with us tonight. uh, Talking about this really appreciate uh, your, your few minutes and and your perspective, of course.
1: Well, it, like I say, I I love replay to to death. Uh, It can save your bacon in a critical situation, but it's gotten so complicated. Some of the sports and and that um, it, it, I'm not sure it's a, it's something that's helping the game. So I think, but that's going to take some, that's going to take some uh, real hard work to, um, to start downplaying or minimizing what's going on in replay.
0: Nope. I, th- I think you're right. So appreciate uh, your uh, insight. Like I said, Bill, appreciate that very much. We'll uh, we'll be uh, catching up with Bill here again pretty soon. So, uh, cause he, you know, he's our guy. So we, we enjoy his, uh, his input. So tonight We are going to now switch gears and head into our conversation that I had yesterday with Sam Holbrook about some baseball umpiring. And it was Sam on the road, but actually Sam was at his house. We talked a little bit about that. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. This is, uh, you know, this was, like I said, this is a conversation we had with Sam yesterday. And uh, we'll be back here once this is done. So enjoy. Tim Keefer, MIBTownline.com. Welcome uh, to our early morning or 9 a.m. Eastern, or, uh, Central Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time baseball meeting on a Tuesday. Yes, uh, you know, that's what we do sometimes because uh, our, our guy, Sam Holbrook, actually has to umpire. That's what he does. He's a professional umpire. So sometimes we have to adjust our time here. Some of you might be watching this on our normal time Wednesday evenings. But uh, we, we thought we'd, we'd do this this morning because we have a chance to talk to Sam. We haven't talked to Sam here in a uh, couple months, and thought it'd be fun to get back and uh, kind of chat a little bit about what's been, uh, what's been going on and get back into some, to some baseball
2: talk. So uh,
0: I'm going to bring Sam in right away. Sam, how you doing? Good to see you today. I'm doing
2: great. Doing great, Tim. Great to see you. Great to be back with everybody here. Uh, thanks for everybody for, for joining in, and... And checking in with us, we uh, we've, I can't believe it. We've almost got a couple months into the season already. So uh, uh, things are moving along fine.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy how fast it goes. How's your season been going so far? I mean, I know last year you, out, you opted out because of the COVID stuff, but now you're back into it, full tilt. And, you know, things seem to be more fans are in the stands now. Uh, it, it looks that way, and they keep adding more and more based off of the new COVID protocols and what's available. So, so far, how, how have things have, have been? Is there been any, any challenging situations you think our, our viewers can l- learn from that you can share and stuff like that? How's it been going?
2: Everything's been going great. Um have uh, got a good crew. Uh, we're working good together, having a lot of fun together. Um, yeah, things uh, things are, are definitely different than, than what they used to be, but they seem to be heading back into the... Uh, Uh, into the normal range uh, a little bit more like you said a lot of the stadiums have opened up a little bit more Uh, we were just in Atlanta uh, this past week and uh, over the weekend they had uh, basically a full stadium every day or every uh, every day on the weekend at least Um, and that was uh, that was nice it it felt like a normal baseball game where uh, whereas a couple of Early on, we uh, we you know barely had maybe ten thousand people in the stands or whatever like that. And uh, uh, but it, so it, it's nice to see the people back out there. As far as as our end of it, uh, we've been testing every other day. Uh, we have to send in a test and uh, and make sure that that everybody's uh, good to go, uh, which is not that big of a deal. We just uh, Do a spit test and drop it off at the ballpark uh, before the game and and they send it off for us. Then we get the results uh, the next day. Um, But uh, yeah, as as far as uh, the protocols and and so forth um, underneath the stadium, you know, we're uh, we're considered tier one, which is what the ballplayers and the managers and coaches and everybody are. Uh, So we're kind of isolated a little bit. Uh, we really only have contact with our clubhouse attendant, um, and and that's really basically about it. So it's a it's a little bit quieter atmosphere uh, down there until you get back out on, on the ball field, and then things are pretty much normal. They they've, they've uh, let up on we've got most of our guys are are vaccinated now, so they've let up on on some of our uh, our protocols. So you may have noticed we had to wear masks behind the plate and uh whenever we were close to anybody on the field uh in the beginning of the season and now they've kind of let up on that a little bit uh the guys on the plate don't have to wear a mask so it's not as hot and everything back there uh but it's 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 good it, it's starting to move in the, in the right direction and uh the best thing is is that we're able to we're able to work the games and, and get the games going and and uh get through the season so that's a great part
0: so You're talking about like tier one. And I know with vaccinations, that's that's helping and and getting people back into more of a normal routine. And I'm starting to see that on on some of the highlights as well. But um, are you do you guys have to like quarantine at the hotel or or are you allowed to kind of do your normal stuff that you would do on the road? Or they have, have they put anything in place for you to just like kind of be by yourself?
2: Yeah, well, uh, beginning the season, I mean, you weren't it wasn't really a quarantine, but like if we uh, went to get something to eat, we either either had to pick it up and bring it back to the hotel room or we had to uh, eat it out, outside. Um, now they've, they've uh, let up on those restrictions, and we're able to actually go in and sit down and eat. Um, you know, we have to wear masks around the hotels and, and things like that, but as far as isolating ourselves, we just, uh, we try to avoid crowds as much as we can. It, it's not, uh, um, you know, it's not mandated by by any means along those lines, but just for our own safety, uh, we just kind of hang with, uh, with each other and, and uh, don't really do a whole heck of a lot. So um, just, you know, still trying to be safe and, and do the right things out there and, and still be able to, to survive out there on the road.
0: So, you know, I said that if I started this, this segment out on the road with, with Sam and it's funny because that's what would probably would be, we'd be, be somewhere on the road, but today it's nice. You know, we started this first segment on the road, but you're actually, uh, at home. So, I mean, you're gonna, cause I think you're, you're headed down, you know, you get to drive to your game today. And, and I, that's kind of nice when you get get a chance to, to be at home during the season, maybe even for a night or two, right?
2: yeah i mean any any when you're on the road for six months uh any night that you can sleep in your own bed is uh is a benefit so after the game last night in miami i drove back uh, back over here to the house and uh, i'm i'm gonna drive back over and probably stay in miami for the next couple of nights uh, uh but yeah at, at any time that you can get home and uh and be able to to sleep in your own bed and, uh, uh and enjoy the comforts of of being at home check the mail and, uh, uh, get the, the honeydew list going and, and stuff like that around here. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good thing. So, uh, very blessed to, uh, to be able to be here and, uh, and still looking forward to, uh, to getting back home for a little bit of time off, uh, regular time off without having to drive and work again.
0: Yeah. I know driving across Florida. Yeah. That's always fun. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll catch up with Sam at some point on the road this year. Actually, from a hotel or from from a city near you, you. You never know. But let's get into our uh, baseball plays. We got a couple baseball plays we want to talk about. We haven't talked about baseball in a while, so I uh, wanted to bring some plays up, kind of make you make everybody here a, a better baseball official, better baseball umpire. So our first play, we're gonna go wide on this, and uh, I want you to focus in on the batter. And we're gonna, this is a strike three. So you see the. See the batter swing through strike three here, and it's a drop third. First base is open, so he's going down there. And the ball looks like it might hit the bat right as it comes. It pops out of the catcher's catcher's mitt, and the the, the runner or the batter runner drops the bat. It it may hit the bat and kind of and really no play here. So we're gonna get, we're gonna get a replay of this. Look at the replay, and you know the replay. Kind of tough to see there. I think we get another angle because um, the ball might have been going out and then it stops after, after it hits the bat. Now, the umpires do get together and, and talk about this at, at the request of, of the coach um, as to whether or not this was anything, interference or whatnot. And we'll get one more replay of this here. You see the ball, the bat goes down and maybe the ball touches the bat a little bit back and forth. Does it, you know, is, is it affecting the, the, the trajectory, the catchers play? So I thought this was a a good one to talk about because, you know, these, this type, these type of things can happen. So Sam, when you've got a, when you've got a play like this, you know, drop third strike batter, you know, runner is going to try to get to first base and we've got loose equipment. I mean, even sometimes catchers mask go throwing, you know, go flying. I mean, obviously that's a little different, but uh but that bat now is on the ground and it, make, it makes contact with the ball potentially, possibly. How do we rule that? I mean, we're, we, have to, we have to look at a couple different aspects of this, correct?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, the, the, the main question here is, was there intent uh, with, the, with the batter uh, who becomes the batter runner uh, to interfere with, with the ball? And, and uh, I don't see that in, in this play right here. Uh, the young man just drops the bat down there and the ball kind of basically rolls up uh, against the bat. So uh, this is a little bit different. Uh in, in some aspects, it's a little bit different than a hit ball, you know, a ball that's in play that uh, you have uh, contact with the, with the batter or, or helmet or another piece of equipment or something like that. But in this instance right here, I don't see any, any kind of interference. Um, uh, you just let that one go. They do have. They did put a new rule in in the major leagues uh, this year that deals with an umpire or the the batter who becomes a batter runner uh, kicking a ball away. Um, I don't know if you uh, one of one of the guys that I'm working with, Jim Wolf. Uh, they had a, a good example of that uh, quite a few years back. There was a strike three and, and Wolfie didn't know where the ball was and he took his mask off and went to step back away from the catcher and the ball happened to be behind his heel and it kicked the ball away and the catcher didn't have a play and they, they changed that rule now that if, if that happens, then it's just a dead ball and, and the, uh, the batter is out. But in this instance right here, he just drops his equipment down, drops the bat down, and the ball kind of rolls up against the bat, no intent right there. So I, I agree with what the guys did on the field. They just left uh, the, the ball in play, and uh, and left the uh, you know left the batter runner at first base. Um, one thing that I would like to do, Tim, is is go back to the to the video because a lot of this stuff that we talk about has to do with with mechanics and how we cover plays and so forth like that. So uh, if we go back to the video and look, if you watch the umpire's positioning. Okay. As soon as the ball gets down like that right there, look where he's moving. He's moving out away from the first baseline. So if that catcher, we, and we don't know what the catcher is going to do with the ball, if he comes up with it and he makes a throw to first base, that's, in my view, as soon as that happens, that's my next possible play. So where I want to be is back over at first baseline extended kind of in in line with where the catcher's mask is and the plate, move over first baseline extended because we've got to play a ball that could possibly be thrown to first base. And the rule says the 35 or the 45 foot line, the rule says that any ball being fielded first base, it doesn't have to be a a batted ball. It could be a, a drop third strike like this right here. So what I would like to see the umpire do in this case is move around right there where your line is on the screen and get first baseline extended so that he can judge whether or not that runner is running within the three foot running lane, whether or not if he's out of the lane, if he does uh, interfere with the the first baseman or or whoever might be taking the throw at first base right there.
0: So another, I'm going to go back, we'll go back to this because there's an, I'm just curious looking at it from, you know, maybe the uh, the home plate umpire, absolutely that three foot running lane is, is an issue. In fact, I, I just saw a play uh, from last week where well, I think it was at uh, the Nationals where it's just, it, 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 that seems to always be an issue. It's one of those rules that it's it's pretty clear in the rule book what it's supposed to be. But when it comes to the judgment side, it seems like people just don't understand it. And And, uh, and to have that, to be able to have the right position to rule on it is key because it could sometimes we're talking a matter of inches as to whether or not the person is in the running lane or not, and is it, you know, did it actually affect the throw and all, all the stuff that goes into that rule. And you're right, if you're not in, in the position to, uh, to see it, we could have an issue. But I want to go back to the play here real, real quick. Is there any chance, I mean, I'm understanding exactly what you're saying, but we've got a runner right here. You know, we had a runner at, at, at second who was coming around possibly, you know, if this ball is thrown to score. So talk a little bit about, all right, so you want the umpire to move over here to, for that, that three-foot, you know, run, or for the running lane, a 45-foot running lane. And and the that's fine. Okay, we're ready there. And now what happens if the ball is thrown? So you, you got the ball thrown, and then for some reason, you know, this guy is going to try to score. What I mean, how do you wa- want the umpire to move then? Do you want would you like the umpire to start out here and then move over here or what's some suggestions in, 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 regards to that, if that play were to happen, if that, cause I think in my mind that umpire is probably maybe cheating a little bit, you know, he should be there, but he's thinking that maybe he needs to get ready for that possible play at home. I mean, how, how would you walk through it, it mechanically if, if this was you?
2: Okay. Um, so like we go over in, in our, our video, uh, I view umpiring as a linear process, okay? You take it step by step. So the, the umpire's down, he's ready for the pitch, the pitch comes in, you've got a swinging strike that bounces in the dirt, uh, so now you've got to drop third strike. So my next possible play as the plate umpire is to judge if that what normally would happen in this play right here is the catcher would would field the ball and throw it to first base to to try to get the runner out that's my next possible play so i'm going to cover that like i said by moving over first baseline extended so that i've got the best angle that i can see whether or not that runner is running within the the three foot or the three foot running lane um so i'm i'm moving in in that angle right there as you can see, the runner from second is still is is nowhere even close to third base right now. So you've got plenty of time. So like our, our linear step-by-step process, that's my next step is to view that, that throw to first base and make sure that everything's clean as far as an interference uh, outside the three foot running lane uh, goes. And then if that runner comes on around, all I've got to do is take a couple of steps back to get back kind of to the point of the plate. So, yeah, I'm, I'm moving back in, in that direction right there uh, and viewing the throw from the first baseman if it comes into the catcher, viewing the throw as to where it's going to take the catcher, and that's what we talk about instincts. Um, is that throw taking the catcher uh, up the third baseline or is it taking – more towards the pitcher because the throw is to his uh glove side a little bit and he's going to have to move that way then i'm going to adjust my angle because there's probably going to be a swipe tag we know that the runner is probably going to be coming you know trying to get to the uh the foul side of of the plate area over here at third so if the catcher is uh is moved up let's say into the grass kind of towards the pitcher a little bit now I'm going to be. I'm going to move myself over to an angle about where the umpire is right there, uh, so that I can judge uh, that swipe tag and see the best angle that I can to see if there's daylight between where the catcher is going to be coming back to tag the runner and where the runner is sliding to the outside right there. Uh, if it's a true throw. Uh, right straight to the plate straight to the catcher where he's just going to catch it, turn around and, you know, put the tag down. There's no swipe tag going to be going to be made. I might take a step back towards uh, third base, excuse me, from there. And, and so that I can see, you know, whether the the runner's foot gets to the plate before the catcher gets the tag down in front of the plate or not. So I don't want to be, I don't want to be blocked out by the catcher is what I'm saying. Uh, if the if the throw takes the catcher uh, more towards the first base dugout, uh, then I'm going to be uh, probably right about the point of the plate right there because the catcher going to catch the ball here and then have to come back uh, over towards uh, moving his his direction moving towards third base. And the runner's probably either going to be coming in uh, the backside of, of the plate or straight in from third base of the plate. So basically what I'm doing is I'm reading the throw to see where the catcher is going to, to uh, initially catch the ball. And then from that position, where will he move to make that tag? And I basically don't want to be blocked out by the, uh, by the catcher's back. I don't want to be blocked out by the runner's back. I want to be in that, uh, I guess what they call the wedge area uh, where the, the, the mitt and the the foot or hand are going to be coming in contact together and I want to get the best angle that I can to see if there's daylight between those two
0: so uh, one last thing on this and, and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna drop our, our banner I don't like to do that because you know we, we got to keep our but I'm gonna drop the banner because I want I want <laughs> to show keep you something the brand going yeah uh, I want to show you something on this plate because this umpire the third base the, 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 well the yeah the third base umpire I don't know if you see where he's looking you can see by the brim of his hat he's he's not I, I'm just wondering should does he need to be looking here or should he be looking over here I, I, I'm just, it's just a question because you know we talk about this sometimes you know where where to look you know and and, and, and not be ball watchers in some sports I mean in, in, in baseball the ball takes us to the play and 90 percent of the time we are going to watch that ball just because it's gonna, that's going to tell us what what's going to happen here. But on on that play, I mean, do you, should, should our, our third base umpire kind of make sure that there's not any goofy stuff going on at third base? Or, I mean, how would you work it if you were in that position?
2: Yeah. So uh, again, we go by the, the next possible play. So for the the third base umpire, I don't, I believe there's just a run around second. Am I correct? That is correct. At the beginning of this play. Okay. So, uh, you can see him. He's, he's kind of strolling over there, and, and I'm not picking on him. I'm just trying to, to uh, help, help people learn a little bit more. Uh, when that play happens and that runner from second base commits to going to third base, that's his last possible – well, it's his last possible play because they've got a, a three-umpire system. So you've got an umpire at first base that's going to make the call on the, on the batter runner if they throw it down there. Uh, His last possible play is at third base, so instead of just walking over in that direction, uh, I'm going to be moving as fast as I can instead of going right directly down the grass line right there because that does nothing to improve my angle if the catcher does come up and throw it to third base possibly. Um, you never know what the catcher is going to do in this situation right here. Normally, I'd say 90 to 95% of the time, he's going to throw the ball to first base. But if he's moving that direction and he sees that he's got to play on that runner at third base, he might come up and throw it to third base and try to get the tag out right there. So as far as the umpire is, is right there, I want to improve my angle and I want to move as close as I can to third base. So I'm going to be moving kind of towards what would be the 45 foot line on the third base side I'm going to be moving in that direction right there so that I can improve my angle and then get as close as I can Uh, the best possible place for him to be would be right in that in that cutout but like we talk about in in the video um, sometimes you have to sacrifice the distance of getting all the way into the cutout for the angle you have to sacrifice that distance for the angle so If he moves quickly in a direction towards, let's say, halfway up the third baseline, now he's improving his angle uh, and he can see a little bit better if that third baseman catches the ball and goes to make a a, a tag on the runner right there. Now once he gets that angle established, if he can get a little bit closer to the cutout, that's fine. But my point is just moving straight down the, the grass line right here his angle is not improving any at all. His angle is staying the same. Yeah, he might be getting a little bit closer to it, but if they throw it down there, he's still going to be looking uh, kind of at the at the runner's back, and there's a good chance that he might get blocked out on the tag right there. So, you always want to, to that's his last possible play. He needs to be moving, uh, improving his angle, and and uh, and getting a better view in case that catcher does happen to come up and throw it the third base that's a shorter throw uh the runners you know kind of a little bit slow if he picks that ball up right away he might throw it down there and think that he's got an in e- the easy tag so uh as a, as the third base umpire i want to be moving as quickly as i can to get to the uh to the best angle that i can view that play
0: well no i think that's a great that's a great point because you, you you go back to the play, you know, the ball is behind him now, but you know, and we're doing some what ifs, but we're just trying to, you know, get ourselves better here. If this is the ball right here and he's a righty, boom. I mean, there you go. I mean, that could be right. the easiest play, and it's right in front of him too. So, right. so if right. we're not we're not in position, like you said, you know, unfortunately, or, or trailing this, not ready for that play, just you know, having our baseball instincts, like you said, said that they, they probably are gonna go to first but it's really easy to go to third in the, in that one and we just have to be ready for, for all But I just want to point point it out you know because it is like once again we're not we're not picking on a guy or anything like that it's just try to get better so that way you know we know where we need to be instead of maybe not i guess
2: right right and 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 like you say you know you you've always it's kind of like being a boy scout you've always got to be prepared uh, what if this happens. Uh, so that's, that's where I go with that, that linear process of umpiring. Uh, as the third base umpire right there, I'm thinking, okay, drop third strike. This guy has committed to third base. That's my only possible play. So there's no need to split the difference and stay in the, in the middle of the infield for any reason. So I'm going to be moving, like I said, to improve my angle, first of all, and, and get a little bit you know closer to that play. Now, you asked what he should be looking at. He should be looking at the ball. Uh, You're always looking at the ball because the ball is going to tell you, uh, you know, what's going on. But uh, you can take your eye off the ball just for a split second uh, whenever something is uh, getting ready to happen with your runner. Okay, let's let's put it that way. So, uh, in this case, let's say that the catcher comes up and throws the ball to first base. You're watching the catcher to make sure that he doesn't throw it to third. Uh, But as you're moving over there, now you see him throw it to first base. Now my next thought as the third base umpire is, okay, now I need to watch because I know my plate umpire normally has the touch of third base, but he's got his hands full with a ball going to first base and he's got to look out for that interference. So I'm thinking a couple of steps ahead and I'm thinking, okay, when this runner from second base gets close to the third baseman, gets close to the bag right there, I'm going to take my eye off the ball for a split second, glance over, make sure that that third baseman doesn't uh, impede that runner uh, causing obstruction. I want to make sure of that. And then I want to make sure that that, that runner touches third base because normally, like I said, in, in this umpire system, that's gonna be the plate umpire's uh, responsibility to watch the touch of third, but uh, he's got his hands full, so I'm not doing anything. Why can't I just take a glance over and make sure the, that the, the runner touches the base? So, you know, uh, like I said, that's too much to think of all at once. Whenever the ball goes down, your your brain's gonna lock up on you. So uh, like we talk about in, in the video, it's a linear process. Okay, this happened. Now I've got to be prepared for this to possibly happen. So I'm moving over. There might be a play at third. So I'm moving over in that direction. Okay, now the catcher picks it up, throws it to first base. Now I don't have a play. My only uh, thing that I need to to watch out for is obstruction at third base and and to help my partner by watching the the runner touch the base.
0: So, I mean, that – it's a lot of great information, and it's crazy on a play like this how many pe- – you know, it seems like, okay, well, we we want to talk about a little bat hitting a little bit of the ball, but then how we can break it down in so many pieces on one play. I mean, we just spent, you know, 25 minutes talking about that, and it's good information, but it's just nuts to think about, you know, how important the linear process is, like you've mentioned, because that is going to take us to where we need to be when, if it becomes a train wreck,
2: right? Right. And, and, and you're always thinking, okay, what's my next possible play? And, uh, do, am I only responsible for one runner or am I responsible for multiple runners? And that's going to tell you where to position yourself, uh, within, within the infield. Um, if, uh, if that runner, let's say, uh, is safe at first base and maybe the ball gets away from the, from the first baseman. Uh, Now I've got to think, okay, if that runner goes to second base, my, my first base umpire is probably not going to be able to get into the infield and, and be able to make a call. So if that happens, then I might have to bounce back and kind of split my difference between third base and second base, get into that working area. Like we talk about in the, in the video, um, so that I can cover two, two runners at, at this point. So there's, you know, uh, baseball, usually what happens is the umpires get caught out of position because something wacky happens with the play or the players do something that normally they're not going to do. So you've always got to be, you know, try your best to be a, a step ahead of that and and think to yourself, okay, what if, what if, uh, what you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? If they throw the ball to first base, normal play, batter runner is out at first base. Now I know I've, I've still only got that one runner at third base. I'm already over there. I'm in position. If he rounds too far, now the first baseman might throw back in behind him at third base. I've got to be ready for that play. And I, I can't be in the way of the throw and, you know, uh, all that all that stuff. So you're, you're constantly thinking, okay, what's my next possible play? And where do I need to move in order to be able to be in the best position to cover that next possible play?
0: So, okay. I mean, and that's, like I said, really good information. So hopefully our umpires will, will take that and we'll we'll move on to our next play now. And this play wants you to focus in on our umpire right here. We're going to, and, and it, I just want to warn people this is going to look really bad, but it ended up being okay. Um, it's, so don't, it, don't. Our umpire was okay, but uh, just focus in on that, and we're going to talk about this. So here's the pitch, and unfortunately, our umpire is hit, and he's hit pretty hard. Um, so we'll play it one more time, and then I think that I think that's it. We don't necessarily need to need to see it again. Um, our, our umpire, like I said, he was fine. He, he did leave the game, um, but ultimately he was fine in the end, uh, which is always the positive thing. We don't want any bad things to happen to us. There's only, there's not enough of us. But uh, Sam, this is something unfortunate that does happen from time to time in all levels of baseball because of the positioning that we're at. And balls move pretty quick, as, as you know. Baseballs come at you pretty darn quick. So... Um, from your experience, I mean, even through you know uh, minor leagues and and your, your uh, you know long major league career, can you give some tips to our our umpires as to how to if you're if you find yourself in a situation like this, you only have second split seconds to to make a reaction or maybe positioning or something like that. What are some tips to try to avoid this from happening?
2: Yeah, well, uh, but first of all, let's let's go with the rule. Um, right here with with a, a ball that has hit an umpire before it's passed a, an infielder um uh, in in the infield right there then the batter runner is awarded first base and and uh, all runners that are forced to advance advance those that don't that aren't forced to advance go back to the base that they're they're originally at uh when the pitch went in but uh as far as as this i mean it, it's something that we have to deal with you know know that you're going to take some some shots to the body and the arms and stuff like that when you're working the plate, but you hope not to when you're, when you're working the bases, but it's going to happen. Uh, you know, when, when we're up there and, and I'm in the infield and uh, Giancarlo Stanton or, or uh, Judge or somebody like that is hitting, man, they hit those line drives and some of them are coming off the bat 110, 115 miles an hour. And and uh that's just tough to get out of the way of it the one thing that um you know uh i will say is that you've got to judge if anybody's played wiffle ball or or baseball too you know you know that the ball curves by how it comes off the bat and uh you know if it comes off the bat you know slicing a little bit then you want to go the opposite direction and sometimes that's a little bit hard to do but uh you know when the ball's coming at you uh every now and then it'll it'll be coming straight but a lot of times it'll have some curve to it especially when you're on the on the uh on the lines but uh yeah that's that's the main thing is is realize which direction that the ball is moving and then have your brain be able to process that quick enough to that that you can move in in the other direction and you know I, i'm glad that that our guy was uh, was okay and this one right here—it's uh, something that you have to deal with. But uh, you know that's why you've always got to keep your eye on the ball. You've always got to be down and be ready. And, and the main thing, you know, um, I I like to be down and set. I like to have a, a good base with my feet and, to where that I can move. Uh, and basically, what you're doing there—if the ball's coming right at you—you you, you have to determine which which direction it's curving. And then you, you have to kind of drop step and open yourself up and, and try to let the ball pass you right there. But the main thing is being down and being in an athletic position. Uh, at umpire school, we teach it, you know, hands on on knees set with your feet, just, you know, a little bit more than, than shoulder width apart uh, so that you've got a good base and you can move in either direction right there. But uh, main thing is just being being able to, uh, being down and, and ready for, uh, an athletic move that you're going to have to make. And then hopefully your brain processes that information quick enough that you can move in the opposite direction.
0: Yeah, that's about it. You know, you, that you can, you just can see it, do it, move and, and be lucky. Cause I think sometimes yeah, it's either you're unlucky or you're lucky.
2: Yeah. And sometimes you can do all that stuff and, and, you know, it can get on you so fast that, that you're unlucky and, and it does happen. to you. But, uh, it, it's going to happen to you out there. We just try to try to make sure that it doesn't uh, happen very often.
0: Yeah, it was a real funny, a uh, quick personal story. When I was in junior high playing a, a baseball game and it was, well, we weren't playing the game yet. We were just starting the game uh, or doing our warm ups before the game. I was at third base and there was a ball that was hit to the outfield. And so I kind of turned and my back was to the field and I didn't realize that the, the, that my my buddy was gonna hit me next, so I'm looking my ba- I'm looking out to the outfield, and he hits to me next, and I don't see it. And as I turn, it's one of those where the ball goes right by my like eye. Like I mean, it, like we're talking millimeters, and I could have been dead. I mean, literally. I mean, yeah. it was a line drive, and I mean, it's just like sometimes. You know, like, for, like I said, our guy was okay, which is good, but just, just sometimes it just doesn't work. You can do everything like you just said, everything right, and it still finds you.
2: Right, exactly.
0: So, anyway, well, Sam, we appreciate you know, spending some time going through some of these plays. We're going to try to do this again next month. We're going to try to do it every month to, to kind of grab some of your, your knowledge and uh, you know, get so that way, because we still got, obviously, high school seasons are coming to an end. But we do have uh, um, uh, you know youth leagues and guys are going to be umpiring baseball all summer long. So these are good things to, that we can pick up on as we go through. So, Sam, thanks for taking some time out of your morning and your time at home. I know that precious time at home. And I hope you have a safe trip across the, uh, the southern part of Florida on your way to Miami. And you have a great game and everything goes well. And I, I look forward to, to talking to you again next week. Or next thanks, month, buddy.
2: I, I look forward to it as well. And, uh great to be back with everybody. I hope everybody's season is going well. Be safe out there and uh, work hard and do a good job and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time.
0: So I want to thank Sam. Tim Keefer, MIBT online. Whoa, it's playing again. Welcome. We already did that. We want to thank Sam for, uh, for joining us yesterday. Obviously, he's umpiring right now, so we really appreciate him taking a couple moments to spend some time with us because baseball, we do have baseball here at MIBT Online.com. We're adding sports all the time. Like I was saying earlier, We got a ton of sports up there right now. So you wanna stick with us, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody else who uh, might be interested in in sports officiating because we need them all. We need everybody, bring them on out. And if you're already an official, hey, hopefully you're learning something from what we have to provide. We're gonna have a meeting next week again. But um, because Sam is umpiring right now, if you have a question for Sam, if you have something that you would like Sam, if you're a baseball umpire, Something like that you want Sam to cover, or questions about rules or mechanics or whatever it might be, email me Tim at mibtmedia.com, and we can let Sam know, and he can answer. And maybe one of these uh, these sessions we can get your questions answered specifically, because Sam is here for you, for your uh, you know input, and he really wants to. You know, help everybody be better umpires. So please take advantage of that. Tim at MIBTmedia.com. You can email me if you just want to say hi or you got any other suggestions or any other topics that you want us to cover. So really appreciate that. Hope everybody enjoyed this meeting. A little different. We're going to be back next week. Who knows what we'll do? Look for your emails. I'll come up with another topic of great things for officials to make us better so that way, as a community, we can grow together as officials and be the best that we can be. So until next week, I'm Tim Keeper for MIBTonline.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you then. Thanks for listening to the MIBTonline.com podcast. Join today at MIBTonline.com. We'll catch you next time.